From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Thanks for tuning in for this Thursday edition of Washington Watch. Coming up, the war of words over who is responsible for the rise in energy prices is rising almost as fast as the record prices at the pumps. In a time of global crisis, oil companies should be doing everything they can to expand capacity and lower cost at the pump. Instead, they are charging record profits at the expense of American families. That was White House Press Secretary Corinne Jean-Pierre. But as Senate Republican Leader Mitch McConnell pointed out today on the Senate floor, the American people will not be fooled by the finger-pointing over record gas prices. Since day one, the Biden administration has been outright hostile to U.S. resource development, frozen certain new development leases, and canceled a pipeline project that would have expanded efficient energy transport and created American jobs. The American people are bracing for a very pricey summer, from the gas pump to the grocery store. And they know exactly who to blame. We'll talk with Mississippi Congressman Stephen Palazzo, a member of the House Appropriations Committee, about President Biden's letter to seven of the largest U.S. oil companies yesterday, chastising them for their record profits. We'll also get Congressman Palazzo to weigh in on the Biden economy and how families can survive it. And the chief of staff of the Army, General James McConville, has sent a missive to retired officers asking for help encountering the, quote, most challenging recruiting environment since the inception of the all-volunteer force, end quote. Despite incentives and a reduction in recruiting goals, all branches of the military are falling short in their recruitment goals. Maybe, maybe this could be a contributing factor. Secretary in Austin and I are committed to holding leaders at all levels responsible for fostering climates of inclusion that support DEIA, including for our LGBTQ plus community. This is a core readiness issue. That was Deputy Defense Secretary Kathleen Hicks. By the way, DEIA is diversity, equity, inclusion and accessibility, if you were wondering. Now, I would think actually having people who could fight would be a core readiness issue, but I I, I could be mistaken. We'll discuss it with our own general, Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin, an American hero. He joins us later here in studio. As we mentioned yesterday, President Biden held a gay pride event at the White House, issuing an executive order putting the weight, the full weight of the federal government behind the left's conversion effort to confuse biological boys and girls into thinking they they are the opposite gender. We're in a battle for the very soul of this nation, and that's not hyperbole. We're in a battle for the soul of the nation. When I look around this room here and all you here today, it's a battle I know we will win. On that note, I believe the president is right. This is a battle for the soul of the nation. But more importantly, it is a battle for the souls of the boys and girls that are being poisoned by the left's diabolical agenda that is leading children down a path of personal destruction. And Mr. President, you might be right, and I emphasize might, when you say you will win the battle. But I assure you, without a shadow of a doubt, the Word of God makes very clear, you will lose this war. That is guaranteed. We're going to talk about that later with Illinois Congresswoman Mary Miller, a member of the House Education Committee. And finally, I'm often asked, Tony, how do you keep from getting discouraged in the midst of the godlessness and evil that exist in politics and the culture? Well, first, 
look, there is a lot of good in the midst of all of the bad. It's there. It's just not as prominent right now. But what keeps me hopeful and optimistic about the future is this. It's the Word of God. It is an anchor for our souls in tranquil times as well as the turbulent times. And guess what? A new report from the American Bible Society from their annual State of the Bible bears this truth out. Dr. John Plake, Director of Ministry Intelligence at the American Bible Society, is here to talk us talk with us about it. So stay tuned for that conversation. The website's TonyPerkins.com. If you miss anything on your way home or uh, as you're about other activities, you can find it all later there at TonyPerkins.com. Let me ask you a question. Have you visited FRC's new online news site, Washington Stand? You can find it at WashingtonStand.com. It's news and commentary from a biblical perspective, constantly being updated with news stories and information. So check it out, WashingtonStand.com. All right, the word for today coming from the Stand on the Word Bible reading plan is 2 Samuel chapter 22, verses 2 and 3. And he said, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer the God of my strength and whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold and my refuge, my Savior, you save me from violence. Uh, did, did you notice something here about David's description of God? My rock, my fortress, my deliverer, my strength, my shield, my salvation, my stronghold, my refuge, my Savior. Would you say that David had a personal relationship with God? I'd say so. You know, we know the Lord is a rock. He is a fortress. But the question is, is he your rock? Is he your fortress? Is he your savior? It's one thing to have an intellectual knowledge or even understanding of God, which is becoming rare in the present culture, but even that intellectual head knowledge is not adequate. It won't save you. You must have a heart knowledge, a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Only then do you have the benefit of the rock. To find out more about the Stand on the Word Bible reading plan, go to frc.org Bible. Yesterday, President Biden sent a letter to seven major oil refinery, refining companies accusing them of profiteering off of surging energy prices and, quote, worsening the pain for consumers. He also called on them to produce more, an action that White House Press Secretary Karine uh, Jean-Pierre said is the patriotic thing to do. We are calling on them to do the right thing, to be patriots here, uh, and not to use the war uh, as an excuse or as a as a reason uh, to not put to not put out a production, not to not do the capacity that is needed out there, uh, so that the prices can so that the prices can come down. I mean, you can't make this stuff up. Who's using the war as an excuse? I mean, again, that was Press Secretary Comrade Jean Pierre. Uh, this is important. Unbelievable. With me now to talk about this is Congressman Stephen Palazzo. He's a member of the House Appropriations Committee. He is a member of the Republican Study Committee and the Values Action Team. He represents the 4th Congressional District of Mississippi. Congressman, welcome back to the program. Tony, thank you for having me. It's great to be back on. Let me first get your reaction to President Biden's letter to these oil companies demanding that they produce more. You know, it's the same uh, rhetoric that this administration's been throwing out there against the oil and gas industry. I'm probably the only member of Congress that actually worked offshore. I know there's other members that have been uh, involved in the oil and gas upstream. But, you know, the oil and gas industry is one of the most patriotic uh, industries that we have. 
uh, the people that I've worked with, they're God-fearing Americans. And for him to just single out an industry the way that he does, it, he, he's not coming up with solutions. He's not addressing the problems. And as you know, he wants to blame oil and gas. He wants to blame Ukraine. He wants to blame Trump and Republicans for all the failures that he's caused. And, and, and if, you know, if he was true to himself, uh, what's causing all the pain and suffering in America right now, it, it's a direct result of his woke left liberal progressive policies that are destroying um, our country. Well, I, I'm, I'm right next door, um, my home state, Louisiana, very much energy um, minded. I mean, that's where we get the bulk of our, our revenue. And part of the problem, this has long been the problem, but it's been it's become increasingly an issue, is our refining capacity remains low. And, and, and a, one of the major contributing factors to that is the cost of building new refineries because of the government restrictions and regulations. Absolutely. It's not only the cost, it's the permitting, and there's not a lot of profit to be had in refineries. So there's really not... And again, I mean, you know, I don't think we've built a refinery in America in over 40 years. And most of the refineries that we do have are, are, are somewhat fully operational and putting out as much output as they can. I know they're going to increase output by the end of the year. But if the president really wants to address the cost of gas, Elaine, and the cost of energy, well, one, stop your rhetoric against the oil and gas industry. Two, cut the red tape. Lift the restrictions on offshore and onshore leasing and offer support for the in industry so they may go in and put investments uh, out there and capital outlays to help drive down the cost of energy in the future. Yeah, I think uh, the projection is by the end of June, the refineries will be at 96 percent capacity. And we're coming into uh, the hurricane season in which uh, oftentimes these uh, refineries on the Gulf Coast have to be shut down if a storm is coming in. So clearly those could be hiccups in the supply line. But there was a 10-point plan put forward by the American Petroleum Institute uh, that uh, makes, as you said, the administration short on solutions. They put forth some solutions. One is cutting the red tape that ensnares these energy projects, lifting the restrictions for on- and offshore lease sales, um, and, and offering support for new investments in production. Yeah, I, I mean, you have it right there. I mean, that, I think that's only three out of the ten points, but those are the most important points. I mean, we have over 400 years worth of fossil fuel energy for America, and, you know, their, their, their rush to the Green New Deal, their rush to um, the renewables, um, I think they're going to make huge mistakes, and, and, and we're going to suffer uh, not just in the short term, but also in the long term. This is, you know, this, this, there's no accident uh, this administration is going after the oil and gas industry because they want everybody driving electric vehicles. They want to, um, you know, get people out, out of combustion engines and, and to actually, you know, they, I think back in the day of Barack Obama, he actually mentioned that eight, nine dollar per gallon gas. Is that really a bad thing if we could, you know, free ourselves of our dependence on fossil fuels? And I'm telling you, from being in South Mississippi, I don't think renewables uh, will, will, will run the air conditioners we need no. in the summer months in the southern state. Yeah, those windmills don't blow fast enough. Um, I, I, I want to... 
I don't have really have time to get into this, but I, I, I don't think these oil companies, many of them that have very uh, left-leaning policies supporting a lot of this woke stuff at the corporate level should be surprised when the politicians they elect push these socialist policies on them. But that, that, that's a conversation for another day. I do. You're a CPA. You've got a background in finance. What, what do families need to be doing as we go into the turbulent times of this Biden economy? Well, they definitely need to be saving um, and, and pension pennies because, you know, obviously there's a lot of traffic right now. And I just think that's because people have been, you know, cooped up from COVID for two years. There seems to be a lot of traffic on Interstate 10, people going to the beaches. But unlike we've seen, you know, pre-pandemic and when gasoline was $2 a gallon, and of course that was only two short years. Um, and, and once the Biden administration took over, the price of gas has just been steadily increasing and increasing. It's just, you know, um, you know, we, we have to address inflation in our country. And, you know, we can do that. Now, I, I would recommend this president first. We got to, you know, address the supply chain issues. Let's look at quit paying people not to work. Yeah. That has driven up the payrolls and the cost of labor. And most important, we've got to get energy down. If energy goes yeah. up, we all pay for that. Yeah, and it, families are paying now more than they ever have because of the failed Biden policies. It is a driver for inflation. Uh, Congressman Palazzo, always great to see you. Thanks so much for uh, taking time to join us today. And thanks for uh, fighting a good fight on Capitol Hill. Thank you, sir. All right. Coming up, the uh, Army earlier this week marked its 247th birthday, but it did so amid its most challenging recruiting environment since the inception of the all-volunteer force nearly 50 years ago. And they're not alone. Other branches are saying the same. Could it be their wokeness policies that are driving this? We're going to talk with General Jerry Boykin next. Don't go away. Would you like to spend consistent time in God's Word? Then join Family Research Council on an exciting journey through the Bible. FRC's two-year Bible reading plan helps you to approach daily Bible reading intentionally. You will dive deeper into the nature of God and how His Word speaks into cultural issues of today. All wisdom comes from God, and He has given us the Bible as a way to understand the world. His Word is necessary in our lives, so much so that Christ said, We are to live on every word that comes from the mouth of God. He calls it our daily bread because we need it daily to sustain us and nourish us spiritually, just like food does physically. Start this adventure today with Family Research Council. When you sign up, we'll text you with daily passages and questions that help prepare you for conversations with your friends and family. To begin this journey, visit frc.org Bible. First Peter 3.15 instructs us to always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks for a reason for the hope that we have. The mission of FRC's online center for biblical worldview is to carry out that verse by training Christians to advance and defend the faith in their families, communities, and the public square, as now more than ever, we need to be grounded in the truth of God's word. The Center for Biblical Worldview provides amazing written resources for a wide range of relevant issues, including biblical stances on voting, religious liberty, abortion, marriage, and sexuality. Each of these topics comes as a free downloadable PDF version, abbreviated version, and Spanish translation, along with the prayer guide. To access this written series or to sign up for the Center for Biblical Worldview's monthly newsletter, visit frc.org worldview.
Did you know that from as early as 12 weeks, and certainly by 20 weeks, an unborn child can feel pain? Did you know the issue of pornography is growing among women? Did you know that pornography, sex trafficking, and abortion are all linked and on the rise across the globe? Issues such as pornography, human trafficking, drug legalization, and abortion are all violations of human dignity and have resulted in the devaluation of human life in our culture. Family Research Council stands firm on the principle that every life has value, ought to be respected, and has been designed for a unique purpose— Educate yourself on the harms of pornography, human trafficking, and abortion so that you can offer hope and help. Learn more at frc.org forward slash life. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. So good to have you with us. The website, TonyPerkins.com. I, I do, I, I have to mention this because um, I do not feel a lot of sympathy for these oil companies, these seven oil companies, Exxon, BP, Shell, Marathon, Phillips, Chevron, uh, because according to Second Vote, uh, and you can check this out, go to SecondVote.com, you know, they rank companies liberal, lean liberal, neutral, lean conservative or conservative. Well, all of these entities um, are clearly in the liberal column. Exxon, 1.8, BP, 1.6, Shell, 1, clearly liberal. Uh, Marathon, actually the highest rated, 2.57. Phillips, well, actually Phillips is a little higher, 2.6. Chevron, 1.2. This is all based upon where they give their money, what kind of causes they support, uh, what entities, uh, so, so many of these corporations are woke and they support woke uh, liberal candidates, leftists. And so when they get in office and then they p- start pushing, you know, the social policy they're all for, then they turn on them with these uh, bad economic policies and regulations. So I don't feel very sympathetic for these oil companies. They get what they deserve. But uh, I still think it's wrong for what this administration is doing, saying they're going to use their emergency powers to force them uh, to produce oil f- at less cost. That just uh, sounds like Venezuela, actually. All right, it has been 113 days since Russia invaded Ukraine, and there are many lessons that uh, should be learned from that. Among the takeaways is that the United States needs a strong military to deter our enemies, including Russia, from attacking us. We live in a very volatile world. But a strong military needs strong numbers, and the Army is learning a tough lesson about how not to grow their numbers. Aside from kicking out hundreds of service members who refused their COVID shot, our military leaders have been injecting transgenderism, wokeism, and so many other isms. And now they're facing the most challenging recruiting environment since the inception of an all-volunteer force nearly 50 years ago. So how concerned should we be as our military faces an ever more dangerous world with its diminishing numbers. Here to talk about this is our own Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin, FRC's Executive Vice President, a founding member of the U.S. Army's Delta Force, and his last assignment after 36 years was in the Pentagon. General, welcome back. Thank you, Tony. So the uh, Chief of Staff for the Army sending out uh, a a plea to get uh, retired members to help recruit. They can't find men and women that are qualified, and that will serve. 
Yeah, and and you, it's not the army. It's not just the army. It's, it's all, all the branches. Services. It's all branches of the service. I know, I know. I'm I'm not picking on the army. Well, I it would be unusual if you didn't. Okay. But uh, the larger problem is the fact that uh, twenty three only twenty three percent of the people that are eligible in terms of the age brackets to be in the military can actually qualify without a waiver. That that is an even larger problem. Well, I mean, we we did away with waivers, or we did away with restrictions on people who are confused about their gender. Um, why not do away with uh, waivers on people who are too fat or uh, physically unfit or yeah. whatever? I mean, yeah. it's all the same, isn't it? It is. But but let let's go back to what's happening uh, in inside the ranks of the military today. Their focus has to be uh, preparing for war. I mean, nothing has changed uh, since the inception of, of our military, since the creation in 1775. Uh, it's about winning wars. And what we have done with this woke agenda is we have uh, detracted from that, that focus. Mm-hmm. We have young men and women today in America that don't want to be in the military because they see no necessity, no imperative to fight for their country, to serve for their country, or to serve in a professional environment with other people of like mind. Could this be, I mean, I think this is a problem beyond the military because we have an education system that has been teaching our children, indoctrinating them with an anti-American message, basically teaching them to hate this country and what it stands for. Right. And and also, let's just take a look at uh, some of Lloyd Austin's Austin, the Secretary of Defense's uh, latest words, where he talked at a congressional hearing about being willing to entertain having non-binary people in the military. Well, first of all, Tony, I know you're a Marine, and that's that's a tough concept. But let me get my let me get what, out my my pen so I can draw pictures here. What in the heck is a non-binary person? <laughs> but but this has come up again now recently. In terms of what do you think our enemies are doing? What do you think China is doing right now when we're talking about this? They're laughing at us. And Tony, has there ever been a time, uh, certainly since, let's just say since World War II, has there ever been a time when we needed a strong military like we do today? We don't have a single enemy anymore. We have multiple enemies. I mean, you're much more uh, astute at this than I am, but just as a basic student of history, the the world is more volatile than at any time, even before I think the start of World War II. There's no question about it, and 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 given modern technology, uh, it, it makes it an even more dangerous world than we've ever seen right. before. And it's not just nuclear. I mean, it, look at cyberspace. Look right. at outer space. Look at all of the things that uh, our adversaries actually have an edge on. And and China, for example has been ahead of us for years in cyberspace and, right. and, and outer space now as well in terms of being able to weaponize outer space. Right. So while we're launching off uh, Gay Pride Month, uh, they're launching rockets into right. uh, to space in China. I mean, this mm-hmm. is, it, it's, it would be, it would be laughable if it weren't so serious and dangerous. Yeah, it, you're absolutely right. This is a very serious situation. Very, very serious, and that is why we have to make some changes in this country, and you start at the ballot box. You start by thinking in terms of uh, not just the economy, not just the border, 
But you start in terms of thinking national security because it's your sons and daughters that are going to be in our military. And if they don't recruit enough, yeah. what we're going to see ultimately is another draft. And, and, and the men and women who want to serve in our nation's military are those disproportionately that are conservative uh, many people with uh, a solid foundation of faith, because they're the ones that are willing to sacrifice and give, they're not going to go into that environment. It's just not going to happen. General, we're, we're out of time. Uh, always great to, uh, to have you uh, join us. That's good to be with you. <laughs> I can turn off your microphone. All right, folks, don't go away. Uh, coming up next, conservatives were a little concerned when the DHS announced a disinformation governance board that was supposed to stand up for truth. Now the Education Department has announced a new council that is supposed to ensure that parents are heard. Really? Uh, I'm not so sure I believe that. Congresswoman Mary Miller is here next on Washington Watch. Don't go away. Are you a university student? Do you know a university student, specifically one who wants to grow as a Christian leader to positively influence public policy and the culture? Look no further. Family Research Council has a life-changing 12 to 15 week internship program that has prepared and equipped students to take the next step in their professional journey. With a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training, Students will grow in personal and professional development. Interns have the opportunity to work in policy, communications, event planning, and more. They will gain real-world experience working directly with our experts who will guide them in pursuing careers of influence so that they can make a difference wherever God calls. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org slash internships to apply. What is biblical masculinity? In our culture of gender confusion, there aren't many examples of godly manhood. Men, husbands, and fathers need to find a model of godly manhood, leadership, and strength. But where can they find it in our culture? Stand Courageous Men's Ministry was created to help men find this model of godly manhood and to develop a strong biblical character, cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design. Men who will stand courageous. Join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who understand the issues men face. They unpack our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can make an influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I got a poll question for you today, and it's uh, the president. I played this clip earlier. I'll play it again in a moment. But uh, do you agree with President Biden's statement at his Pride event promoting transgenderism yesterday? In fact, go ahead and play this clip real quick. Play uh, clip number, I think it's 12. We're in a battle for the very soul of this nation, and that's not hyperbole. We're in a battle for the soul of the nation. When I look around this room here and all you here today, it's a battle I know we will win. I agree with him on one point. That is, we are in a battle for the soul of a nation. But do you think that? Do you think we are in a battle for the very soul of our nation? Uh, text the word radio to 67742. That's 67742. 
uh, text the word radio and um, take the poll question. All right, joining me now is Illinois Congresswoman Mary Miller. She is a member of the House Committee on Education, and she is fighting hard on Capitol Hill for moms and dads and for children. Congresswoman uh, Miller, welcome back to the program. Thank you. It's an honor to be here. I tell people that one thing I've recognized here in D.C. is that there's a spirit of deception over our country, and I want to thank you for being a beacon of light and truth. Well, thank you. Let me ask you the the question I'm asking my listeners today. Do you think we're in a battle for the soul of the nation? Oh, absolutely. We have no mooring. Um, I think going back decades ago when we decided to teach children that they came from nowhere and they're here for no purpose, now, you know, we're reaping the results of that. I think we absolutely are. And and I, I do want to thank you for bringing those types of issues into the discussion. You have done that consistently and repeatedly. You're not afraid, not ashamed of the truth. And, and we admire you and appreciate you for that. And you're sounding the alarm over, I mean, you've been on this with the Department of Justice calling parents a terrorist. And, and the, yeah. the, this has really gotten under the skin of the Biden administration. They know they're on the losing side of this. So they've announced this new council um, that is going to be supposedly made up of parents. But something looks very familiar about this. It's the same people who's, who agreed with right. the memo about yeah. parents being domestic terrorists. Tell us about it. Well, this is... Um, they're setting up this council and supposedly representing parents, but they, these are the parents on the left that basically called the parents that showed up at school board meetings, domestic terrorists. So there again, the spirit of deception, uh, the Biden administration, everything that comes out of their mouth is twisted and they're lying. It's kind of interesting how they're attacking the states that are, have decided to defend our children against transgendering. And when <laughs> they won't even do the number one job they have, it, which is to secure our border right, and get our energy production going. Those are the two things that Joe Biden should be doing. And he's focusing on going after states that have every right to pass laws and protect their children. Yeah, by the way, uh, just uh, folks, last month, May, another record after another record month with the number of people coming across our southern border. So Congresswoman Miller is absolutely right. The, the border is an open door to who knows who all is coming into this country. Yesterday, the president issued this executive order uh, that addresses so-called conversion therapy. Uh, this deals with transgenderism. Right. But, but who's converting who? I mean, it's the left that's trying to convert our children into thinking they're a gender that they're not. Well, I think it's hard for Americans to actually admit to where we've come, come to and where the place we're at in our country. And we're going to have to just say, you know, we have ignored God. We've been rebels and gone our own way. And now we've come to the place where we're saying that we can... Uh, change our children from one sex to another, and we're going to do it without parental consent. And I have a map, actually, um, maybe you could put it up sometime, but it's a picture of the United States in 2007, and it's a picture of all the pediatric gender clinics in the country, and there's maybe two on the map, but today the entire country is covered with 
dots representing pediatric gender clinics. And they are doing this and going around parents. Um, even when parents end up in court over this, they're losing. And schools that are discharging teachers that are promoting this, uh, these teachers are suing the schools and then the schools are losing. But one thing the American people have to quit doing is we cannot be passive. Mm. And do, I'm just telling people, do whatever it takes to protect your children. I mean, if you have to sell a car or, or um, you know, try to work it out with your spouse, uh, who's going to work on which shift in order to homeschool your children, or maybe you're going to go get a second job in order to afford a private school. If your school is pushing this CRT and transgender policies on your children, please get your children out. It's not worth it to leave them in. And you are speaking from experience. You've done just that and uh, even running for Congress as a mom and a grandmother uh, to d defend common sense, decency, and the future of our children. Congresswoman Mary Miller, always great to talk with you. Thanks so much for uh, joining us today. Thank you. All right, to find out more about uh, Congresswoman Mary Miller, go to TonyPerkins.com. She is, she is one of those, uh, a number of, and she's one of many that have uh, come to Congress because they feel God has called them here. Great Christian lady. And uh, if you live in Illinois, um, You've got a great congresswoman in her, and be sure to communicate that to her if you get a chance. Coming up, the latest. This year, making a significant difference is something that we talk about a lot here, called the Bible. It actually makes you more hopeful and optimistic. We're going to talk about that next with Dr. John Blake. Don't go away. What is biblical masculinity? In our culture of gender confusion, there aren't many examples of godly manhood. Men, husbands, and fathers need to find a model of godly manhood, leadership, and strength. But where can they find it in our culture? Stand Courageous Men's Ministry was created to help men find this model of godly manhood and to develop a strong biblical character, cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design men who will stand courageous. Join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who understand the issues men face. They unpack our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can make an influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com. With the increase in tech censorship of conservatives and Christians, Family Research Council created a tech subscription platform to be sure we don't go completely dark due to censorship. It is important to us that we stay connected with you and that you stay informed. So if we get canceled, you can still access updates on faith, family, and freedom. How? Just text STAND to 67742 to sign up for our text alerts and you will get FRC's content straight to your phone. Again, just text STAND to 67742 and you will get alerts on the biggest stories of the day. With just a simple text, always have access to our content and stay informed and connected with like-minded community. Text STAND to 67742. That's STAND to 67742. 
Are you a university student? Do you know a university student, specifically one who wants to grow as a Christian leader to positively influence public policy and the culture? Look no further. Family Research Council has a life-changing 12 to 15 week internship program that has prepared and equipped students to take the next step in their professional journey. With a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training, students will grow in personal and professional development. Interns have the opportunity to work in policy, communications, event planning, and more. They will gain real-world experience working directly with our experts who will guide them in pursuing careers of influence so that they can make a difference wherever God calls. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org internships to apply. This is Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. Good to have you uh, with us. Earlier this afternoon, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi having her uh, weekly press uh, event, she was asked about the attacks on uh, care pregnancy centers and other pro-life uh, entities and whether or not the rhetoric from Democrats is contributing to the violence. And this is what she had to say. Republicans are going after Democrats for not saying anything, and they're saying that that your rhetoric is contributing to these attacks on these crisis pregnancies. Well, let me just say this. A woman has a right to choose, to live up to her responsibility. It's up to her, her doctor, her family, her husband, her her significant other, and her God. Uh, This talk of politicizing all of this, I think, is something uniquely American and not right. Other countries, Ireland, Italy, Mexico, have had legislative uh, initiatives uh, to expand a woman's right uh, to choose. Very Catholic countries. I'm a very Catholic person, and I believe in every woman's right to make her own decisions. Any other questions on another subject? Because I'm not going to be talking about that anymore. Yeah, she doesn't want to talk about that anymore. Well, the backdrop to the question is because this uh, pro-abortion militant group, Jane's Revenge, has said their 30 days of mercy have expired, and they are promising to escalate the attacks on pro-life centers. We already had over 40, we're probably reaching close to 50 now, of care pregnancy centers, church services that have been uh, disrupted, churches that have been vandalized, and other pro-life organizations, crickets from the Biden administration in terms of addressing this domestic terrorist activity. Nothing. And she was directly asked about it. Their rhetoric is contributing to this, and they should be held accountable. By the way, I'll give you a poll question again. Uh, Earlier, I played the clip of of President Biden yesterday at his Pride event promoting transgenderism, and he said, we are in a battle for the soul of this nation. Now, we might be on the other side of the battle, but do you agree? Do you believe that we are in a battle for the soul of the nation? Text the word radio to 67742 and take our poll, and uh, hope to have some numbers for you before the end of the program. Last week, the American Bible Society released the third chapter of its 2022 State of the Bible report, and it found that Americans are feeling more hopeful this year. 
with the Bible making a significant difference in the well-being as measured by the five domain human flourishing index. In fact, in every category of the human flourishing index, minus one, scores have returned to the pre-pandemic levels or actually exceeded them. What can we draw from this and why is it important? With me now to talk about this is Dr. John Plake. He's the Director of Ministry Intelligence for the American Bible Society. Dr. Plake, welcome back to the program. Thank you, Tony. Glad to be back with you today. So uh, this is pretty good stuff. I like it. Uh, The Human Flourishing Index was developed by a team at the Harvard School of Public Health. Tell us uh, a little bit about what the categories are of the index and in which ones are scores still below pre-pandemic levels. Sure. Well, the scholars at Harvard and really scholars all over the world who had been trying to think about what constitutes a good life, how do we measure really mental and physical and social health, as opposed to just looking at our uh, mental health as maybe along a disease model. And so what they did is they came up with five domains, happiness, life satisfaction. So how happy are you or satisfied are you with your life overall? They wanted to know about mental and physical health, about a sense of meaning and purpose in life, about someone's sense that um, they're a person of character, that they have virtue about them that they have close social relationships. And then they've also added on a measure of financial and material stability. So those are all of the subdomains in the human flourishing index. And what we've seen is that during the pandemic, uh, there were some real struggles all across America with levels of human flourishing going down significantly. And what we found now is that America has rebounded to a great degree except in the area of mental and physical health, not quite to pre-pandemic levels, but very, very close. And we're thankful for that. I think the pandemic had been hard on everyone. But the silver lining behind all of these numbers is really when we look at human flourishing through the lens of people who have a close relationship with God through the Bible. And that tells an entirely different story. So... Yes, it does. And I, I'm, I've, I've read the, uh, the entire chapter looking through all this, and it, it, it validates what we know to be true, and that is when we spend time with God uh, in His Word, that it, it provides a sense of meaning and purpose. It helps us put all the pieces together, it lowers our anxiety, and, and gives us, you know, the ability to go on even in the midst of difficulty even in the midst, uh, I found one aspect of this pretty interesting, uh, when you, you've experienced trauma uh, in your life, that uh, you actually can do better than people who have not experienced trauma in terms of these five domains that you looked at. Yeah, it comes as no surprise to anyone that people who have had traumatic experiences where they've feared for their life or Uh, They've experienced terror or horror. They've been witnesses to someone being traumatized in their own life. When those things happen, uh, the wheels can kind of come off our our mental and emotional lives. And we see that showing up in the human flourishing data. For people who've personally experienced trauma, their flourishing numbers across every single domain are just much, much lower. With one exception, if they happen to be scripture-engaged, Uh, what we find is that their levels of flourishing are higher than other Americans, even if they've been traumatized. Their levels of flourishing are higher than other Americans who have not experienced trauma. And there's this sense that the Bible brings resilience that really equips people to face the, the uncertainties that all of us face day in and day out. And we're very thankful for that. 
I mean, I think that uh, I, I found that fascinating, and I was thinking through that. I mean, in part, when you go through that and you, uh, if you are a person with a relationship with God, you're drawn closer and you rely upon him more and you find him faithful to see you through those things. And so I think for me, that, that was kind of my explanation. You, you get on the other side of that and you, you are more resilient and you kind of feel like, you know what, like David, I face the pole of the lion and the pole of the bear. I can face today, too. Uh, so I think it gives you a greater sense of uh, of hope and optimism for each and every day. Yeah, and you bring up a great topic there, which is hope. It's a, another area that we look at in the study because we really want to understand what is the impact of the Bible, not just on where we're going to go after we die, but on how we live today. And we found that people who are engaging with Scripture are just more hopeful. And what that means is they see a better future ahead for them. They see themselves as part of something bigger than the difficulty they might be experiencing today, the way they might be stuck today. And the Bible tells us that there is hope for tomorrow. Jesus says, take heart. I've overcome the world, even when we're uh, experiencing difficulties like so many people do from day in and day out. So, Dr. Plake, explain and define Bible engagement. What does that look like when you measure it? So fundamentally, Bible engagement begins with just reading the Bible. And of course, some people read the Bible, others listen to the Bible. They, they might not be cited, and so they're going to listen to Scripture. But regardless, it's interacting with the text of Scripture. But it's more than just pronouncing the words. The Bible's not magic. Um, it is God's Word. It is a way for us to experience God's voice. And so we simply say Scripture engagement is consistent interaction with the Bible. It begins to shape people's choices and transforms their relationships with God themselves and with others. I think people who have had a lifetime or at least a long experience with Scripture understand that when we read it, we understand who we are differently. We understand who God is differently. We understand our neighbor in very different ways. Well, here here at the Family Research Council, we are in a we do a two year journey through the Bible, and many of our supporters are on that journey with us. And just as a staff, every morning we have a time of discussion based upon the daily reading. And we find, uh, you know, we're just wrapping up, uh, tomorrow we'll be wrapping up uh, Second Samuel. But as we uh, read through this, even in the Old Testament, we see how there's nothing new under the sun. And we see that it, it kind of relieves us from the sense of this has happened before. Uh, God's hand has, has seen his people through challenging times. And so I, I just think it helps you put everything into the proper perspective. I think Bible people often use this saying that history is really his story. And that's not to say there aren't difficult parts in history. There certainly are tragic parts of God's story. But from the biblical perspective, what's happening is God is telling the story of how he is pursuing human beings and has a better future and a, and a hope for them. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. They're plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a future and a hope. And that is the message of scripture. And we see that borne out in these, in these social scientific measures that were not developed to measure the impact of the Bible. But what's so fascinating is when we look at them through the lens of the Bible, we find that people who consistently engage with God's word experience a better life. They're flourishing, they're hopeful, they're resilient in the face of stress, and they take better care of themselves. Yeah, and I mean, it's, it's right there. 
It's just uh, a few minutes in the Word of God can, can change your day. A, day, a reading a day uh, can keep a lot of bad things a- away. Another thing that really uh, kind of jumped out at me as I was reading through this chapter 3, and there's other chapters, by the way, folks, to come. You can, you can get the, uh, the first three chapters that have been released. Uh, the, the website, Dr. Plake? Stateofthebible.org. And, and you can download it uh, and, and read it. I think it's fascinating. Great resource for pastors, Bible teachers, Sunday school teachers, even moms and dads. It reinforces a lot. But one of the things I found, uh, John, that was interesting was the stress by generation, broken down by generation. Talk a little bit about that. You know, it's been said before that we're experiencing an epidemic of stress. And a lot of mental health professionals had been predicting all through the pandemic that with death and dying and um, increases in social isolation, economic difficulties for many parts of America, that stress would be on the rise. And one of the places we see that most is in the older half of Generation Z. Now, Generation Z is the youngest generation of American adults. They are not all adults yet. So we only have the first eight years of a 16-year generation. But when we look at them, we find really that these uh, 18 to 25-year-olds are just experiencing stress that's kind of off the charts. I mean, we can measure it, but when you look at their stress, it's about 15 points, millennials, 12 points, Gen X, 10, boomers, seven, elders, four. Um, So you can see that as people get older, they are better equipped to handle the stresses that come their way. Uh, But Generation Z is also facing some technological uh, phenomena that didn't exist when I was their age. When I was coming of age as an emerging adult, I didn't have an iPhone in my hand. I didn't have social media to compare myself to everybody else's best version of themselves. So there are some significant stresses facing them. And I think that's an opportunity for those of us who love God and love God's word to care for the youngest American adults. John, is there a correlation between those, you know, stair-stepping of uh, stress you know, based upon the generations and Bible engagement with those generations? You know, there there certainly is. Uh, generation Z is not the least Bible engaged of all of the American generations. That honor, or uh, I guess um, ignoble honor, goes to the millennial generation just older than them. Uh, but they are not the most Bible engaged generation. And so what we find is that as people march through adulthood, there are more opportunities for them to experience the kinds of disruptions to their everyday, whether it's a good thing like a graduation ceremony or a new career, or maybe a difficult thing like loss or trauma that comes into their lives. And it's those change points that cause many people to reach for the Bible that maybe someone they revered in their life uh, had given to them at some point, and they wonder, is there something in here that can help me be a better parent or something in here who can help me deal with the stresses that I'm facing a little bit better? And consistently what they find is, yes, there is something there. And consequently, as Americans age, they become more Bible engaged. So bottom line, Dr. Plake, from uh, this chapter three, uh, the Bible, tranquility for the soul, it is a, a sense of purpose, of meaning. It, it just, in a world that seems upside down, it helps us to just get the proper perspective. I think it brings an incredible resilience. There are all times for everybody 
when we feel like we can't take another step, we can't handle another thing. But when we reach to God's word, we find that there's a God who loves us, who has a plan for us, who has acted in history to save us, and will still act today to bring about a better future than the one we're experiencing today. That's a tremendous sense of hope. And I would just encourage anyone, if you've gotten away from the Bible during this pandemic or during the stresses you're facing, reach for it again. And I think you'll find that God's there waiting for you. I absolutely would agree with that. Dr. John Blake, always great to talk with you. Thanks so much for uh, joining us today. Thank you, Tony. And folks, I would encourage you to do just that. I mean, I, it, I know it is true because uh, I, I walk it every day and I have a sense of peace in the midst of uh, one of the most turbulent environments in the country. So check out our Bible reading plan. Go to frc.org slash Bible. And uh, you can be a part of that. By the way, you can still take our poll question. I don't know if I'm going to get the the results back. I may have to post them on the website. Do you agree with President Biden's statement that he made yesterday, that there is a battle for the soul of the nation? You can text the word poll or text the word radio. I'm sorry. Text the word radio to 67742 and you can take the poll number. All right, folks, so good to, uh, to have you with us today. I encourage you not only go to TonyPerkins.com, but also check out uh, the new news and commentary site, Washington Stand. Until next time, I leave you with this encouraging word from the Apostle Paul. When he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you have taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at one 866 372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.